1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. The U.S. targets a raft of Chinese companies as tensions with Beijing escalate. Plus, crypto companies ditch one of their previous banks of choice, And the U.S. and Europe split over how to respond to Iran's nuclear enrichment activity.
2: Iran tends to react to censure by escalating its actions. And I think there's a concern that that could very quickly lead to a crisis.
1: It's Friday, March 3rd. I'm Luke Vargas with The Wall Street Journal. And here's the AM edition of What's News, the top headlines and business stories moving your world today. The Biden administration has imposed export restrictions on 28 Chinese entities in its latest move to mitigate what it says is a growing national security threat from China. The Commerce Department said the targeted businesses represented a range of national security risks, including alleged ties to Iran's military, Pakistan's ballistic missile program, and Myanmar's sanctioned military. The companies and the Chinese embassy in Washington didn't immediately respond to requests for comment. Officials in Beijing have repeatedly denounced U.S. sanctions as illegal. And all of this comes ahead of China's biggest political gathering of the year, what's known as the Two Sessions in Beijing, this weekend. Journal reporter Chun Han Wang tells us
0: what to watch for. Last October, the Communist Party had a changeover in leadership. And this NPC would be basically filling out senior government positions... Xi Jinping would likely take his third term as head of state, while the party's number 2 leader, Li Qiang, is set to become the new premier. Also, the outgoing premier will deliver his final work report. He would outline the government's priorities for the year, and investors will be watching for guidance on China's economic outlook, including things like the economic growth target for 2023, which, according to our WSJ reporting earlier this week, could come in around 6%.
1: A raft of crypto companies, including Coinbase, Paxos Trust, and Galaxy Digital, have cut ties with Silvergate Capital, one of the top banks for the digital currency market. Silvergate said earlier this week that it was at risk of being less than well-capitalized and was evaluating its ability to continue to do business. It had recently been forced to sell assets at a steep loss after a flurry of customers made a run on the bank. Journal Markets reporter Kaylin Ostroff has more on where this leaves the crypto industry, which has long struggled to access banking services.
2: Silvergate filled
1: a lot of that void. And so, go into last year, where all of a sudden you had the prices of cryptocurrencies collapsing, you had a series of bankruptcies, and then the cherry on top of this was FTX. And so, when all of that happened, there was this massive withdrawals from Silvergate. All of these firms that did use to bank with Silvergate are now having to find accounts elsewhere. And inherently, not all of those companies will be able to. They won't meet the standards for other banks, or other banks will just decide they're much more nervous on crypto now, given the massive sell-off than they might have been six or eight months ago. Apple has blocked the update of an email app with AI-powered language tools over concerns that it could generate inappropriate content for children. That is according to communications Apple sent to the app maker and documents viewed by the Wall Street Journal. Blue Mail's new AI feature uses OpenAI's ChatGPT chatbot to help automate the writing of emails using the contents of prior emails and calendar events. The dispute shows the broad concerns about whether language-generating AI tools such as ChatGPT are ready for widespread use. The software developer disagrees with Apple's decision. Alex Murdaugh, the disbarred lawyer and scion of one of South Carolina's most powerful families, has been convicted of murdering his wife and son in 2021, capping a trial that captivated the nation. Murdaw is due to be sentenced this morning. The minimum sentence for murder in South Carolina is 30 years. And Tennessee Governor Bill Lee has signed a pair of bills restricting transgender health care for minors and curtailing drag performances in the state. The law blocking physicians from providing treatments to minors related to their gender identity is one of dozens of similar bills moving through U.S. state legislatures. The other bill limits cabaret performances on public property or locations where they could be viewed by minors. However, critics have said the bill could have a chilling effect on everything from pride parades to pop concerts. Yesterday, Eurozone inflation data showed a strong increase in services prices and accelerating inflation in Germany, France, and Spain, even as overall inflation eased for the fourth straight month. And as the Journal's Paul Hannon reports, that dynamic underlines how difficult a task central bankers, both in Europe and elsewhere, face in bringing inflation back under control as growth ramps up. And Paul joins me now with more. Paul, thank you as always for being with us. Hello. Great to talk to you again, Luke. So, Paul, according to that Eurozone data I mentioned earlier, the rise in inflation overall is slowing, but it also seems to suggest it will take some time for prices to fall back to normal. What does that mean for policymakers?
0: It leaves them still facing a very difficult task in the year ahead. The headline rate of inflation came down because of things that we already know are happening, which is to do with the energy price having less of an influence a year after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But there was news, and that news was that services prices just aren't slowing. And that's quite a big worry for a central bank because they are more reflective of what's happening inside the economy. And what is the picture like globally? Is it similar to what we're seeing in Europe? It is. It is quite similar. You know, we've seen some stronger readings in the U.S. recently, led again by services in part. And again, for policymakers, that rings alarm bells because it suggests that higher wages are feeding into inflation, what they call second-round effects, and that's really... Their job is basically to stop that. They can't do very much about the first rise in inflation, but they're supposed to make sure that that doesn't turn into this sort of self-reinforcing thing that lasts for years, as it did back in the 1970s. On the other hand, you know, there are signs that global inflation is easing. Energy prices are coming down, wheat prices are coming down, freight prices. Remember, that used to be a big problem. So there are signs that inflation is cooling, but there are some areas of, of worry. And should that continue, what policy response might it lead to,
1: and how would that in turn affect consumers?
0: The policy response is likely to be more of the same, really. More interest rate rises by the leading central banks. So for consumers, I'm afraid it's another year in which, you know, you're dealing with quite high prices for energy, for food, for a whole bunch of things. And, you know, if you're thinking about borrowing for a car purchase or something like that, you're gonna to have to pay more for it. So all around, it's not great news. That was Wall Street Journal reporter, Paul Hannan. Paul, thanks as always for the update. You're welcome. Take care, Luke. And coming
1: up, news that Iran has produced near weapons-grade uranium has led to a split between the U.S. and its European allies over how to respond. We'll look at why and what options still exist to control Iran's nuclear activities
2: after the break. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: Earlier this week, the International Atomic Energy Agency revealed that Iran had produced particles of about 84% enriched uranium that's just shy of the around 90% enrichment level needed to produce weapons-grade nuclear fuel. But instead of that news uniting the countries that had negotiated the 2015 nuclear deal with Iran, Wall Street Journal Deputy Brussels Bureau Chief Lawrence Norman reports that the IAEA's revelation has actually exposed a divide between the U.S. and its European allies over how to respond. And Lawrence joins us now with the details. Lawrence, thank you for being with us. Thanks a lot. Remind us what exactly the IAEA says it found in Iran and why that finding was so significant.
2: So the IAEA reported to its member states this week something that we had reported previously, which is that its inspectors found material in iran that is very near weapons grade enriched uranium the agency said it's not clear if iran deliberately produced that material and it also said importantly that Iran is not stockpiling that material. But nonetheless, it's a very serious moment. To move close to weapons grade is to move closer to a red line that the US, the Europeans, the Israelis and others have always paid a great deal of attention to. And Iran is tiptoed up towards that, whether it was deliberate or not
1: a red line, but red lines are often sort of political signaling. Is what's actually happening here, though, in violation of any agreements Iran currently has with other countries?
2: Well, it's massively in violation of the JCPOA, the nuclear deal that still exists in form. Some people describe it as a corpse in reality, but it does still exist. And theoretically, Iran is still adhering to it, as are the European countries. Under the JCPOA, the ceiling on enriched uranium in Iran could produce was 3.67%. So I think we can all agree that they're quite a long way above that. They're about as far as you can go without tripping off a crisis.
1: And Lawrence, what has Iran said in response to the IAEA finding?
2: Iran has said that it was an accident. Nuclear experts and senior diplomats agree that it is plausible that this was an accident. I think most of them don't believe it is. And one of the reasons they don't believe it is, is because the discovery of these 84% particles was made the day after the IAEA and their inspectors found out that Iran was messing around with its centrifuges and machines that produce enriched uranium in a way that was not allowed under the JCPOA. So... The balance of opinion is very strongly that they were experimenting with ways to produce near-weapons-grade material, but there's no proof of that, and it is plausible it was an accident, and that's what Iran claims. And the IAEA's
1: Board of Governors, which includes the US, France, Germany, and China, is set to meet next week, right, Lawrence? So what happens next here?
2: So I think nothing happens next because it's very clear that the Europeans will not push a resolution that would censor Iran for what it's done without US support. It's always a fair bit of work to get a resolution passed on the board. Russia and China will oppose it as they have opposed previous resolutions and that could in theory send the issue up to the UN Security Council and in the past that was the route by which very significant international sanctions were imposed on Iran. Now as all of our listeners will know the chances of getting the US and Russia or the Europeans and Russia to agree to anything at the UN Security Council is pretty slim. So this wouldn't lead to sanctions. But nonetheless, it is a politically very significant move. And being censured is something that Iranians are very, very focused on. It signals a return to the years of isolation of Iran. And so it is an important issue. But without the US support, there will be no resolution. To be clear, you're saying the US is arguing against a rebuke of Iran? That is absolutely and 100% correct. There are several arguments. The first is that the IAEA has said it's still discussing with Iran what happened. And whether it was intentional or not, there's an argument that you should wait for that. There's nothing stopping the US and the Europeans going back, calling an emergency board, um, if not. I think the bigger argument, though, is Iran tends to react to a censure by escalating its actions, either escalating its nuclear work or further restricting the ability of the IEA inspectors to keep an eye on what Iran's doing. And I think there's a concern that that could very quickly lead to a crisis, which, of course, would be a crisis on top of the Russia one that they're already dealing with. So those are some of the reasons why the US has been reluctant to take this step.
1: That was Wall Street Journal Deputy Brussels Bureau Chief Lawrence Norman. Lawrence, thank you for the update. Thank you very much. And finally, a wave of job cuts has hit the U.S., but some employers are not actually imposing layoffs and instead are adding new restrictions on remote work, stepping up scrutiny in performance reviews, or requiring staffers to relocate in order to keep their jobs. All of which are moves that WSJ reporter Chip Cutter says enable companies to thin their workforce while avoiding the more traditional layoff. Some of these moves can be seen as sort of thinly guised attempts at layoffs that companies might have, for example, overhired during the pandemic or not forecasted growth appropriately. And so now they're trying to correct. And this can be a way to do that without singling people out, without resorting to layoffs that could have a real toll on a company's culture. But there are certainly risks to this approach. Companies, for example, in closing offices could lose really good people that they might want to keep on their payrolls. There's a lot of reasons why someone might not want to shift locations. And so sometimes this can lead to sort of unwanted turnover. And you can hear more about those employer tactics on Wednesday's episode of our sister podcast, Your Money Briefing. And that's what's news for Friday morning. We'll be back tonight with a new show. I'm Luke Vargas with The Wall Street Journal. Have a great weekend. And thanks for listening.